Welcome to Talk Save Culture Talks, the podcast of Paradisec, the Pacific and Regional Archive for Digital Sources in Endangered Cultures. I'm Jody Kell. And I'm Stephen Gagao. These are conversations with people who have personal and cultural connections to the languages and music in our archive. In this episode, we return to Pama Island in Vanuatu with Johnny Obed, who was featured in episode 5. In that episode, Johnny shared his knowledge of the music, language and culture of his home, a small island in the Malampa province that Johnny explains is the geographic center of Vanuatu and an important shipping hub. The island's population is only 1,600, however, over 7,000 people whose heritage is from Parma are living elsewhere in Vanuatu and overseas. This migration endangers the local Palmese language as people need to use other languages in their day-to-day lives. Johnny is from Lero village on the island and even though he now lives in Sydney, he is passionate about maintaining his cultural heritage through education, archives and storytelling. Johnny is joined this time by anthropologist Kirk Huffman. Kirk studied anthropology, prehistoric archaeology and ethnology at the universities of Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Oxford and Cambridge in the United Kingdom. In the early 1970s, he took on the role of the first curator of the National Museum at the Vanuatu Cultural Centre in Port Vila. He continues to be honorary curator today. Kirk uses his long experience in the Pacific to promote and support the maintenance of traditional cultures in a fast-changing world. He is currently involved with cultural institutions globally and he is an honorary associate of the Australian Museum and the Division of Museums and Cultural Engagement at the University of Sydney. In this episode, Johnny and Kirk will be discussing the cultural significance of sharks in Vanuatu and throughout Melanesia. On Palm Island, there have been documented cases of a series of shark attacks where victims were connected along family lines. This made it appear that they were targeted, so much so that the attacks were investigated by criminal justice system as being linked to sorcery. Even into modern times, the Palmese people considered the attacks to have been suspicious. This topic was inspired by recordings in the SD1 collection of Simone de Vildier. Simone is a French researcher with a Dutch name working in Sweden, Norway and Vanuatu. A researcher at Lund University and the Arctic University of Norway, his interest focuses on the interaction between language, culture and cognition in metaphor, body categorization and polysemiotic communication. The SD1 collection contains audio and video recordings that document the integration of speech, gesture and depiction in the context of the fascinating yet vanishing art of Palmese sand drawings from Vanuatu. Welcome to the Toxave 
podcast. Today we have a return of Johnny Obed, who uh, was on our last series um, talking about Palmese language. And we're also joined by Kirk Huffman. Morebizokon ven kami vasi. Inau Johnny Obed, the note phone, the note Vanuatu. Good morning to you all, my friends. I am Johnny Obed. And um, I want to say how delighted I am to be here at this time to meet with you again in this conversation. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Louisville, everyone. By me, just tell them hello, or some dif different language, Lo Vanuatu. Some uh, start hello, tell them hello, or some language, Lo Malakula. Das, das metavarin. Good morning, Lo language, Lo big numbers, down Lo Northwest Malakula. Uh, inam. Hello, long language, long old man Tirach, long North Malakula. Iboy, you good. Hello, long language, long middle bush, long South Malakula. So I was paying on top, long middle bush, or middle bush, or get that. Ile, Ile, ding, ding. Good, 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 out long language, and Nahai, long South Malakula, more small island, long Toman, Ur, long South Malakula. Eres, long Walla, long Northeast Malakula. Imbetu. Long Bunlap, Long South Pentecost. Rantavua, good morning. Long language, Long Raga, Long North Pentecost. Imam, Long language, Long Southeast Tana. He got full of more. Look, he got 138 different languages, Long Vanuatu. So I tell him hello, everyone, yeah. Anyway, good morning to you. Oh, yeah, sorry, me, Kirkman, yeah. Uh, thank you. And today we're going to be talking about the hot topic of sharks. Uh, but before we get started, I'm just going to ask Johnny, what is life like on Palma? Um, what was it like when you were growing up and, and any changes you see now? Well, thank you very much, Jody. Um Palma Island, a little island I love so much, five by ten kilometers long, and it is very quiet island. Um, not many people live on the island. We have um, black beaches and beaches and, and clear water. Um, the people are very friendly. We're right in the middle of Vanuatu. Um, it's actually, it's in the center of Vanuatu. We travel from the south to Palma. It will be like the same distance from the north to from Banks to Palma. So it's almost the same distance. So being in the middle, we, we feel very fortunate uh, that somehow we, we are the heartbeat of the nation. Many of our people have moved to the main towns looking for a job, uh, and a very few people were left on the island. What I remember most back in the early 60s and 70s, when I was a little child, is it's a lot of laughter, happiness. Um, and with no TVs, we, the storytelling has been a very much a part of us. We, we look forward to hearing somebody telling stories. They call them metesau, the storyteller as a wise man. And when he stands up to tell his story, it brings that excitement, the motivation, and everybody's looking forward, what is he going to say next? You, 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 you hold on to every word that has been spoken. And for me, that's the picture I had when I was growing up. Things have changed now. A lot of people come in, but, uh, volunteers from abroad, uh, teachers, nurses, um, the same time as high school. A lot has changed. 
that world that I grew up in has perhaps we lost a lot. Mm. Well, let's get on to Kirk now. Welcome to Toksavi, Culture Talks. And for your introduction that you've given us, you've given us a snapshot uh, preview of Vanuatu. So let me just ask you to explain your connection uh, to Vanuatu generally and, and to Palma Island. Uh, thank you, Stephen. Yes, I first arrived in the old New Hebrides in 1973 from Cambridge University. I was going to do fieldwork on the island of Malakula. Uh, the New Hebrides in those days was rather interesting. Uh, 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 there were only about 75,000 people in the whole country. The capital, Port Vila, only had 3,000 people. In those days, it's got 30,000 now. Now there's over 300,000 people in Vanuatu. But yes, anyway, I was doing fieldwork on the island of Malakula. Uh, fantastic. Really good people. And then in 1976, I was asked by representatives of the British and the French governments who were then on the board of management of what was then called the Port Vila Cultural Center. Uh, they had some funds and they said, we have some funds for the first curator of the museum. You know, would you like to do that? And I said, oh, yes, sure, I'd be loved to, love to. So I started out as the first, in 77, I started out as the first full-time curator of the museum there. and. Uh, was there for uh, <laughs> 12 years. And every day was better than the previous one. It's fantastic, <laughs> you know. And Vanuatu is very proud of its languages and its cultures and uh, the only bilingual, uh, officially bilingual or trilingual nation in the Pacific now, English, French and Bislama being official languages, plus 138 others, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's interesting that the linguistic and cultural variation density in Vanuatu, because of the relatively small size of its population, is three, three and a half times greater than Papua New Guinea. Sorry, Stephen. No? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you've got a big population, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. and our population is very small. And those of us who were at the Culture Centre, who had the privilege of working with the Vanuatu Culture Centre in those days, have, have been privileged to... Uh, interact with this incredible nation has these incredible stories and incredible history and visionary people and uh, but Palmer um, well in the time when the time when I was uh, curator of the culture center there and the sort of I suppose the de facto government anthropologist for 12 years I had to cover most of the country and I had good friends from Palmer and still have uh, and almost all the islands in Vanuatu Palmese are very there's about uh, there's a lot of you around my gosh, not so many on the island, but they're all over the place. In oh, yes. you're, you're, you're going there, you're stepping over them on street corners. Oh, sorry, oh, old man Palmer, yes, okay. Yes, Morituak. All over the place. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're good workers, huh? Yeah, yeah. Because explain that, what the, what the name, the real, the real name for your island actually means. Okay, yes. Palmer, or the. Our native name is called Faum, V-O-U-M, meaning people of work. A Palmese person, when they grow up, they know that they are meant to work. And um, so the employers in the town, whenever they are looking for someone, if he's from Vaum, Palma, quickly, automatically, they bring them to work for them because they know that the Palmese people are very hard-working people without complaints. They just go there and get the job done. Uh, mm. So we are known as the people of work. And even when we were growing up, um, we have to be taught that, that um, you are not there on your own. And you have even 
like the normal things. You, you cannot get married until you show the community that you can, for a man, you can build a fence to protect your wild animals from eating your vegetables. Cut a canoe, go fishing, um, bring firewood for your wife and all that stuff. And the women have to give the okay for the girl, whether she can weave, she can welcome strangers at home. Um, and um, of all that, she can plant food. So, so that a marriage is a decision making for the community, not just a family. Mm. And because of that part of working, you, you help each other out. Um, it is one of the... Uh, we, we always work with uh, joy. That's one thing I really notice at home is whenever it's planning time, it's a total happiness. Well, we might move on to our main topic of today. We're going to be talking about sharks um, and the cultural meanings that sharks hold. Um, and also we're basing this on a collection SD1 in the Paradisec archive, and this comes from Simone de Vildier. And it has a collection of videos and audio, and the videos particularly show the sand drawings, which um, is another aspect of this collection that is very interesting. I'm going to ask you, Johnny, whether you have some stories of shark attacks in the ocean around Palmer Island. For me, I'm looking to weave a basket that would hold water for our understanding. Because for some time, though we have some idea, but we don't know whether this is concrete for us as a community or as the people of Palmer. Because this topic of shark is, is new to Palmer. Hmm. During the time of the first shark attack, it was an afternoon around four o'clock when the body was brought. We were swimming on the beach. And the boat just came, the, the young girl died. Help! One of her legs gone, mm. so we had to carry her out of the boat to go to the clinic. Just for some reason, the family just said, "Well, take it to the hospital." What can we do? I still remember that that scene. Yeah. Mm. And suddenly, this what happened was she was beaten in a village called Tahi on the other side. Where there's a point this way that we cannot see that village. It has to. It's on the other side. What really got us that day was the scene of the atmosphere. Suddenly the weather, this fine weather turned. Remember I, I talked to you about the lizard, <laughs> that yeah. the whole environment changes. Johnny is referring to a story he told in the previous interview about a guardian lizard on his customary land. Here is an excerpt from that episode. I am from a mission area. Yeah. Now, the funny thing about that land is this, that if some, we could have a fine day like this. Someone goes up there at 9, 10, 11, 1 o'clock and just, you know, and, 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 and the lizard cries. Suddenly a storm just comes in, heavy mm, lightning okay. right out of the blue. Yeah. And everybody around the whole island say, ah, it's from the Obed family. <laughs> wow. They, they, they also say that. They, yeah. They, yeah, okay. they will know that somebody went there and moved that place. And now, Back to the circumstances surrounding the shark attacks. It was dull, like today. The water that is very blue and clean suddenly looks like it's murky. There was a slight, uh, slight breeze, but windy. And you could just see, and it was like you could smell danger in the water. 
We all jumped out of the water. After that, the fear has hit the island. You go from north to the south, uh, that there was something different here. And yeah, I went back to the town, to the high school. It wasn't long after that you hear another shark attack. Not long after that, another shark attack. Another one. But it is the fact that the sharks seem to know uh, the way they're attacking the, the, uh, the victims. Uh, the next shark attack, the, the boy is about 12 of them there. The boy was right by the shore. There was about 11 around here. This shark came straight and went for that guy right near the beach. I went past other people? Yeah, and got him, and his, half of his body gone. Yeah. And the other one, after that, on the other side of the island as well, it went straight for the genitals of the young boy. Then the other one was when this guy was walking on the beach and the shark just... And we were asking, what kind of shark would do this? Oh. This has, for fear, it, it has given a lot of fear to the people of Palma. And suddenly we've got a stigma in the town where it goes, where are you from? Palma, oh, man, man block sack. <laughs> uh, you remember that, yeah? Old man block sack. So this beautiful name of people of work has now become a stigma. Um, old man block sack. Mm. Oh, and so we, we felt ashamed of that, and we, we began to realize our, our joy has turned I, I, into um, shame. That they thought, well, something we are we are what we call the Nakaimas, um, black magic people. Mm. But we felt that this is introduced to us. It has never been there before. Where did it come from? We don't know. Mm. For what reason? But when you look at the victims here, somehow they are connected to a same family line. Mm -hmm. So now it gives you a question, well, how come this shark is so clever? He would go for that family from that village to that village down there. We have very clever sharks. Yeah. <laughs> so, and to this day, I think, although the shark attacks on Palma has stopped for some nearly 25 years now, um, but the fear of that time has come to us to really be alert to anything that is there because mm. we don't know whether this thing will come back or... The, the sand drawings, the sharks, you might yeah. have some insight. Yeah, okay. It's a, it's a very touchy topic because sharks are not just sharks. Uh, the, 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 the very strange shark attacks that, that hang, happened around Palmer from the late 70s uh, were very unusual. There were connections between the people that were attacked and those people who know about this sort of stuff, and there are specialists in this sort of, traditional specialists in these sort of things, they would have known what was going on. Uh, there are, how can I put it? Uh, Johnny, you're right when you said it comes from somewhere else. The origin of this kind of thing is on an island, it's, I won't exactly say where it's, mm -hmm. west-northwest. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then it comes via a roundabout route to to your island, but it's a type of thing that is purchased and then used, but can be misused for the wrong purposes. And this is what happened on your island. Um, because normally the, the situation with sharks in Vanuatu is that they're actually, there's actually usually very good relationships uh, with many cultures 
and sharks. In, for example, in northeast Malakula, particular types of sharks guide trading canoes in these vast sort of series of voyages that go between islands. They can guide trading canoes and uh, particular types of wise sharks that are humans as well, that change from human into shark. There's some who go from human into shark that can go bad, but there's some that are human into shark that do good. That's the original kind. Traditionally, it should be on the order of a chief. There's a reason for it. Mm. Normally, what you find is that if you do have shark attacks, there's always, traditionally, you'll find that there's a reason for the attack. It's not just an accidental thing. Although there does exist this concept that there are wild sharks that are patrolling around the edges of society in the sea mm. that can sometimes go completely wild and stuff like that. But they attack in a different way. Uh, but targeted attacks, are, the, 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 there's, there's, people say that there's always a purpose for it. Fault blow you no more, they say. Or fault blow boomu blow you. Or you say no more. You say no more. Are there practices that you can do to protect yourself from shark attacks? Well, the church plays a big part of it as well in, in helping people to sort of say, okay, we don't want to use dangerous black magics or anything like that mm. to destroy our own people or families. And I remember there was a time when an evangelistic team went around the island of Pama and they collected hundreds of, of all the... Um, things that people use where mm. they could just call out and mm. be uh, they, this Jimmy Anson all get there. Yes. Ah. Yeah. Ah. And I saw them they put the mats in the church and they had everything there. Like do you mean like small objects like small objects. You, have, you have knife and soap uh, was it yeah. this is this knife is used to kill this person or mm. um, there was one one of the things that happened was if they all go to church and then the, the preacher would say, okay, if you have something that you hid it somewhere for use for bad things or to attack somebody else, could you please let us know so that we can go and get it and mm. the, the, this, this uh, activity should, should, should cease. Whilst that was done, remember the people who lost family members are still angry. Mm. So the, the community then made sure with the chiefs and, and the church folks to make sure that no one is being dealt out. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that they maintain the peace still. And where my village is, it's called Liro. Liro actually means peace. Mm. So therefore, you really couldn't do anything that it would harm anybody else. Yeah. It comes back to that. It, the spiritual is unseen, but it is very powerful. It's the engine room that pushes this scene uh, limited in what we see. Uh, I think the kid will correct me there, but I think what the people believed is this the unseen that is there's also a fear there of the unknown, but yet the power is present. You'll have a lot of people who come to church, but yet still having hanging on to those traditional mm. part of this. Yeah, we cannot really throw the baby out of the tabua. Mm. Uh, but I just want to digress a little bit. Uh, no, Kirk, you got a. You wanted to talk a little bit about the Solomon Islands. Uh, ah, okay, yes, thank you. Yeah, you yes. can just share that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. Yes, what because this gives us an opportunity to look at sharks a little bit more widely, using mm. Palma as a starting, yes. starting mm. stone and then looking out. 
And what you find is that throughout many areas of the Pacific, in Melanesia and many areas of the Pacific, there's very positive attitudes to sharks in many, many cultures. You've got a whole series back in the Western Pacific in, in, in parts of Melanesia, you've got a whole series of cultures where sharks are encapsulated as in part of the traditional religion mm. um, and where sharks are become ancestors. And if you're a good bonito hunter, uh, when you die, you, know, you become a shark, uh, which is looked upon as a positive thing. Um, but then if you go again back again into the more Western Pacific, into uh, the Solomons, if you go again back to the island of Malaita, the northern part of Malaita, there's a whole series of uh, traditional religions associated with sharks, going from the, the Lao Lagoon in northeast Malaita all the way around, around north Malaita down to the Langalanga Lagoon in, uh, in, in western Malaita. And the Langalanga Lagoon is the, the, the area that makes the, still the, the major producer of shell money in uh, in the Solomons, and they export to oh, to many areas in Papua New Guinea, and even down to uh, some parts of uh, Vanuatu. Um, and the Langa Langa Lagoon is the major area for the production of that. There's one particular small island there called Lilisiana, uh, which is the focal point of a shark religion, uh, where the, the traditional priests there, traditionally, they're called uh, Fata Abu, talk holy. They're sort of like shark priests uh, and ancestral priests. They, um, uh, they're the ones that keep the balance between the world of the ancestors and the, and the world of the living and stuff like that. But also because these people in Lilisiana have a special relationships with sharks. Many of the sharks in the area are people from Lilisiana or other parts of the Langalanga Lagoon that have died and have come back uh, as sharks. They're sort of guard and they, they become guardians. There's particular ways to call these sharks in. And on the Lisiana, there's a flat, one side of Lisiana, there's a flat stone where the Fatahabu will go out and there's ways they can call the sharks. And the sharks will come in and they, they lay their, <clears throat> what is it called, their chin, on this flat stone. And boys will come out and they give uh, pig's bellies to the, uh, the guts of the pigs mm. to these sharks and they're fed. And, the, and these are protective sharks. And they actually have a very practical purpose. Because, because for so long the islands of the Langa Langa Lagoon and Elysiana have been obsessed 100% in continual production of shell money to fuel the economy of vast areas of the central Solomons and right up through rapid parts of New Guinea. Uh, and, and it's a full-time thing for them. <clears throat> so the men, and uh, uh, mostly the men, but some women as well, uh, have to do a lot of diving to get the shells needed. Uh, for this shell money and some of those shells are found more commonly in areas where there's a lot of wild sharks and so you divers need to be protected by their own sharks when they're gathering these shells to be protected from the wild sharks mm. and this is one of the roles of the sharks of the Lilisiana area and the Langa Langa Lagoon is to act as protectors for the divers mm. and here I'll just play a recording I made in in uh, in Lilisiana in 1974 of a group of women in Lilisiana who are making shell money and it's the most joyful experience being in a royal mint mm. in a way and it's really joyful because there's songs and there's there's rhythm a bit of it so this is 1974 on the small island of Lilisiana in the Langalanga Lagoon in western Malaita 
in the Solomon Islands. Huh? Uh, women producing uh, shell money. Twenty twenty, you've had eight shark deaths in around Australia. Uh, if all Australians going to beaches were taught, like people in the Langalang Lagoon, how to be how to act in the water, mm. it might uh, yeah. because Pacific Island peoples have a much closer relationship with animals of the sea or, or peoples of the sea yeah. mm. in a in a marine form mm. uh, than uh, uh, most than people most people in Australia. Mm. So there's a lot that uh, uh, peoples in Australia could actually learn if they were actually yeah. really I mean, I was thinking the same thing where we have, you know, we just sharks. It's almost like this oh, shark feeling. Mm. Yeah. Um, but to yeah. realise there's an element of sharks that protect you as well and perhaps yeah. 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 we need to reconsider how we see them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. At the end of the day, you want a community to feel safe in and around the environment where they use the sea as for food as well and for pleasure. Thank you, Johnny Obed and Kirk Huffman for joining us on Toxave Culture Talks for this fascinating discussion about sharks that provided new perspectives from Melanesian culture. In Australia, we spend so much time in the water, and yet we have a fear of sharks. We could learn from the Melanesian point of view that some sharks can act as protectors, and we need to respect them as creatures of the ocean. We would also like to acknowledge the contribution of Shimon Devildia, whose recordings and videos make up the SD1 collection. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. If you would like to listen to the collection from this episode or find out more information about Paradisec, the work we do and the online catalogue, you can visit our website at www.paradisec.org.au. We would like to acknowledge the support of the Australian Research Council's Centre of Excellence for the Dynamics of Language and the University of Sydney, the University of Melbourne, and the Australian National University.